0: Well, it is good to be here this morning on a very special morning, on something that um, it should be really important to our lives. Now, it's important any time, whenever we get together as believers and worship the Lord together. That's why I love Sunday morning church, and one of my favorite things about being in the States is, is uh, being able to worship with other believers that... Um, all want to sing in English. It's just, it's a great thing. And so we're very happy to uh, be here with you this morning to worship with you, but also to be here on a day whenever we get to focus on something that's so very important because this morning we're, we're talking about and thinking about orphans and children who are in need and those who are the most most vulnerable. And so that's something that's important um, because it's important to God. Um, my name is Blue Tidla, I guess I should tell you. I'm Blue, and there's my wife, Darby, and uh, we are from New Day Orphanage in, in Zambia, Africa. It's been six years um, since God has called us over to Africa um, to help further the gospel by engaging in a ministry of, of New Day Orphanage. And I know that you guys are familiar with Zambia because it's a, it's a country that has a special place in the hearts of, of Mike and Lori um, having served there. And as they, they share about missions around the world, Grace Point is involved in so many um, different missions projects, but as they share, I'm sure it comes across um, their passion and desire for Africa and uh, for, for Zambia also. But you guys also know about Zambia because almost from the beginning of our ministry with the orphanage, Grace Point has been involved in the ministry that goes on out there. Uh, members of your church were there as we put up the walls of the first orphan house. Um, this is a, a throwback picture here to Mike Manning and uh, Brian are out there laying the the first line of bricks for a house that would become Uh, my home and so that's where we live out there and so uh, you guys from the very beginning you've sent you've sent teams out there um you also a couple of years ago for your christmas offering you blessed our ministry um with a a donation that helped us to buy a bus for our kids um to take them and immediately whenever we got it like within a day the kids had named it bus number new day and so that's what it's called, and the kids, uh, whenever we first got it, we, we took a ride. I took them out just, just driving, and the kids just chanted over and over. It's like an African thing because they just love to chant the same thing over and over. And it was, bus number new day, bus number new day. And it was that way for about 30 minutes, and finally I decided to cut the trip short because <laughs> it was it was too much for me. But I'm happy to report that this bus is still up and running and fully functional, and it continues to be a huge blessing to us. Um, Any time we want to take the kids on a on a field trip or take the kids off the property somewhere. And uh, so if you've been out to the orphanage, chances are you've, you've ridden on this bus. Um, so I just wanted to say a big thank you. Um, whenever you think about the ministry out at, at New Day, I hope that you don't view it as something that's very distant and far away and something that really doesn't ha- you don't have a personal connection with. Um, but instead, I hope you view the ministry at New Day Orphanage as something that really that this church can take ownership of because from the very beginning um, you have been a, a very big part of that. So thank you for that. Mike um, was sharing with me a couple of months ago about um, a goal that he wanted to set for the church of um, raising enough money to build an orphan house um, through your your Christmas offering this year. And it's a lot of money, um, but it is an investment that will help to ch- change lives of kids for years into the future. And uh, so we just want to want to thank you for, for your involvement at, at New Day. Uh, at the end of the service, there's uh, some prayer cards. We'd love for you to pick them up. Um, just stick on your refrigerator um, to help you, to remind you to pray for what's happening out at New Day. It also has our email address where you can... Um, send us an email and get signed up for a monthly newsletter we send out or our website is there as well where you can go and find out more information about what's happening out at the orphanage and see videos and pictures and and there's also of course um, places where if you feel like god is calling you to give um, and become a a financial supporter of new day you can do that so please be sure and pick up one of those after after the service on your way out we feel like ministering um, to orphans is something that matters But it isn't something that just matters because we say it matters. It's important because God says that it's important. In fact, I would say that you would be hard-pressed to find anything that moves the heart of God as much as orphans or vulnerable children do. We find it over and over in Scripture, um, God's care and love for for these children. And you guys have been learning over the past few weeks about what matters most. I think that is an incredible series to talk about. And I would want to submit to you this morning that what matters most is children having families or children having someone to care for them. And it should matter to us because it matters to God. If you're a follower of Christ, it means that you have a relationship with him and what is important to him should become important to you. That's the way that all relationships work. Case in point would be this girl up on screen, Cambry. The next slide over is our nine-year-old daughter. And I love this girl. I really do. She's the middle of our, of our three kids, and uh, she's, she's a daddy's girl. We've got a good relationship, just like every nine-year-old girl and her daddy should. But because of that relationship, it means that I have to take an active interest in things that she's interested in. And unfortunately, Cambry is not interested in college football or politics or how to build a bridge or something that would interest me. Instead, she's interested in things like sewing or crafting or crocheting, things that that I've never really liked ever at all. And I think that I'm like most men in the world up until a year ago. I never knew what a doily was. And if you don't know what a doily is, it's okay. Don't feel bad. Um, But whenever you have a nine-year-old daughter that makes them, then you have to figure out what a doily is. And so I take an active interest in things that she likes. And it works both ways. I mean, she'll come out occasionally and she will throw the the football um, with us boys in the the front yard. Um, She struggles with catching a pass down the middle on a post pattern. Um, but she's, she's kind of trying to, to figure it out. Or sometimes while we're watching TV, she will just rub my head, which take, is taking an active interest in things that I like, I guess. Um, so that's the way relationships work, though, is where you, you take what's important to the other person and you become interested in, in, in things that they are passionate about. Now, you may not have ever thought about this before, but God has taken an active interest in you and in your life. That he is concerned about the things that you are concerned about. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God has a lot of things that he could think about. Being the ruler and creator of the universe, there's a lot of things that he could be doing or thinking about, but he is thinking and concerned about your life and what happens to you. And that's because he loves you. And for a relationship to happen, you must become passionate about the things that move the heart of God. And something that moves God's heart is children, especially children who have no family, like children in foster care. I mean, or children who are right here in the United States waiting for an adoptive family. I know that there's several families from Grace Point who've allowed God's passion for these kids to become their passion. And as a result, they've made huge sacrifices in order to love on these kids. And out at New Day... God has given us the opportunity to give homes to so many different children. Children who are just struggling just to survive in Zambia. There is about 13 million people who live in in Zambia. And out of those 13 million, 1.3 million are orphans. That's 10% of the population is made up of children under the age of 18 who have lost one or both of their parents. And they come from um, from very desperate situations in our, our our ministry that God has given us is that we get to take these kids in and we get to provide for them and we get to give them things that they didn't have before like food to eat and clothes to wear and education. But most importantly, we get to point these kids to Christ because our ultimate goal for these children is for them to go and to share the gospel with their own countrymen, to become missionaries to Zambia. And we try... As Americans, we try to go and and spread the gospel, and that's biblical. I think we should do that. Um, But as much as we try, and we've learned the language, and we try to fit in with the culture, and we try to find ways to explain the gospel so that it, it makes sense and it's understandable and so that people grasp a hold of what the Bible is saying. But as much as we try, we will never be able to explain the gospel as well as someone who grew up in the culture that we're ministering to. And so our goal for these kids is to be able to go out and to share the gospel as they, as they get older and as they leave the orphanage to become church planters and become church leaders and, and uh, ministers. No matter what their, their job or their education is, that they can be involved in church planting work. And we've started to see some results of that. Because the kids are, are being raised where we provide them with a Christian worldview. We teach them what the Bible says and we teach them um, how to, um, to live the Christian life and how, to, how we're supposed to view the world. But not only that, they get to see it in action. They're surrounded by people who want to share the gospel. Every time Grace Point sends a team out to, to Zambia, the kids see another example of, some, of people who are passionate about sharing the gospel. And they grow up and they think that that's normal they think that that's what you're supposed to do even though if we're honest and we talk about the christian walk many christians are not passionate about sharing their faith and we're not concerned about going out and and sharing with others but these kids grow up where they get to see that day in and day out and it becomes a passion of theirs um, we have one of our uh, one day a group of our kids this last year were, we're sitting outside playing and they're just playing like kids do when they don't have iPhones and iPads and stuff. They're outside like with a soccer ball and a tire. And they're trying to figure out how to make a game out of it. And uh, they're out there playing and a lady wanders onto our property, which is, it's not uncommon. I mean, we, we want the kids to grow up as part of the community so we don't want to keep people out of the orphanage. So we have a fence that goes all the way around the property, but it's mostly to keep animals out, cows from coming in and eating clothes off of the, the line. Um, but this lady wanders in, she wanders through the gate, which is always open, and sits down on the steps of our, of our school. We didn't see that she was there, but some of the older kids saw her and said, Hey, let's go over there and tell that lady about Jesus. And so they did. On their own accord, they just walked over and started explaining to this lady about reading your Bible and about how you need Jesus in your heart. And they're explaining things as best they know how. And our oldest son, Cademan, came back um, to supper that night and he was telling us about what happened. And he seemed a little bit embarrassed. Because the lady didn't make a profession of of faith, that she didn't decide to follow Jesus. And, you know, um, he's like, you know, we didn't know know how to explain everything to her. And uh, he seemed a little bit embarrassed about that, but, man, at least they're trying. You know, you take kids who are 9, 10, 11, 12 years old and to see someone say, hey, I don't know who that person is, but let's go and tell them about Jesus. And so that's the ultimate goal for our kids is to be able to... um, to be able to see people come in who have a passion for sharing Christ and they catch that vision and they go out and do the same thing as they grow up. So that's what's happening um, at the orphanage. But we take these kids in who are, come from very desperate situations, from very bad situations. I'll tell you um, one story of one of our girls named Cynthia. And uh, she really has a pretty typical story. Of what an orphan 's life is like in Zambia, because um, her mother um, became pregnant when, Cynthia, uh, when, her, when Cynthia, her mother became pregnant when Cynthia was very young, very young. Now the mother became pregnant when she was young, and uh, they never knew who the father was, um, but she uh, gave birth to Cynthia, and uh, her mother had a story like a typical uh, like a lot of Zambian women is that very young she um, contracted HIV. And uh, she wound up dying from that disease, but not before she passed it on to Cynthia, which is, I mean, it's totally avoidable. I mean, there's no excuse for it. Like, um, there's a big push from the international community to educate um, people in sub-Sahara Africa about HIV and AIDS and how to live with it and, and uh, ways to prevent the spread of it. And I didn't know this before I went there, But it is totally possible for a woman who's HIV positive um, to give birth to a child, to nurse that child, and to raise that child and care for it properly without ever passing HIV on to her. It's totally possible. All it requires, though, is a mother who cares enough about her child to take the proper steps and precautions. And uh, Cynthia's mother didn't do that. She wound up dying from the disease, and now Cynthia has it. And we went to go and visit her her uh, house where she was living with her grandmother. It was a very small house, and there's four people that were living in the house. The only person who had a job was the grandmother, and she had one old hammer. And her job was to go out and to dig into the ground until she finds rocks, and then beat those rocks until they break apart into small, like, quarter-sized pieces, and then she'll heap them up, and she will sell them, those crushed stones, for to local builders for about 68 cents for one wheelbarrow. And uh, she told us, she said, you know, I just, I can't provide for this child. I can't buy the food that she needs. I can't, I don't have money to send her to school or to get clothes for her. And, uh, and so she's explaining all these things, and we asked her, you know, what about... Um, her health you know knowing about her mother have you taken Cynthia to be um, tested for HIV and the grandmother said oh no she's fine and we took her um, decided to take her into the orphanage and what we do is we take all of our kids to the hospital in order to see what their status is and see how we can help them and uh, there's a measurement that they have that measures your body's ability to fight off diseases it's your cd4 count and uh, Cynthia's cd4 count was dangerously low Not because there wasn't medicine that was available to her. I mean, the medicine is free. And it wasn't because there wasn't access to a hospital. Um, You may have to sit and wait in line all day long, but seeing a doctor is free. But Cynthia was at a very dangerous point with her immune system simply because nobody cared enough about her to take her to the hospital to get the medicine that she needs so that she can live. And we took her into to the orphanage, and of course now she has proper nutrition and and uh, medical care, and she's in a house where people love her and she's being cared for. Um, I have no idea what she's doing in that picture, but it looks like she's having fun, um, and she is she's growing up in a safe place. Uh, but about a year after she was at the orphanage, um, she went to one of the house mothers and said. I want to know how I can have Jesus in my heart. And it started a long conversation about um, heaven and hell and sin and forgiveness and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And by the end of the night, she gave her life to Christ and her her life of faith began. But I look at Cynthia and I think, you know, she is one of the least of these that you hear talked about in the Bible. She's And she's just one of our children that's out there. I mean, we don't have enough time to go through and, and tell the stories of all the kids of, of uh, Gloria who was bathing in mud puddles on the streets before she came or Gertrude who was um, picking food for her family and providing for her family or Ben who was living with a family that didn't even know his name after his parents died. Um, there's, the list goes on and on and on. They're children who, in the eyes of the world, they hold very little value but they are highly esteemed in the eyes of God. And because of that, because they matter to Him, they should matter to us. In fact, this morning, I want to look at a passage that shows God's um, desire to, to care for the least of these. And there's lots of passages we could pick because it's throughout the Bible. But I want to I, I'd invite you to turn to Matthew 25 because it says something that's surprising. Out of anything that God could say, I mean, He it says something very unexpected about how our relationship and how we treat the least of these is an indication of our relationship with him. And so if you've got your Bible, I'd I'd ask you to turn to Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 31 to 40. And I love reading it because when we read from the Bible, we're hearing God's words to us. It's great to hear things about what's happening in Zambia and uh, overseas and hear from a missionary. But whenever we come to church on Sunday morning, we come so that we can hear what God has to say to us. And the only place that you can definitively hear God's word is from the Bible. And so Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, here's what it says. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and, and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it also to me. And you know what I like about this passage is that it's real. Jesus is talking about an event that will actually take place. One day you and I will stand before him in judgment and he will begin the divide right and left and we'll be checking out to see which side we're on. This is something that's actually going to happen. And whenever you read this, this portion of Scripture, Jesus talks a lot about the second coming. And uh, he, he says, he describes a lot of what's going to happen, but he does it through parables. So you, like ha- you have the parable of the virgins or the parable of the fig tree or the parable of the talents. And those are good because they're stories that illustrate a, a eternal reality and truth. But right here, Jesus doesn't tell stories in this passage. He's telling what's actually going to happen. It's real. And I just I want to I point out just quickly, it doesn't have to do anything with, with orphans or, or kids or anything, but whenever we talk about Jesus' second coming, it will be all about his glory. I don't know if you, if you caught it, but at the very beginning of that passage, it mentions his glory twice, that he arrives in his glory and sits on the throne of his glory because whenever he comes back, it will be all about him. And we often have this picture of us... Um, whenever we stand in judgment for God, or at least I do, I have a picture of me standing there and uh, kind of worrying and fretting about my life and what I've done or what I haven't done and, and uh, what's going to happen to me. And I'm think, uh, I picture myself thinking about myself. But whenever you read scripture, it couldn't be anything further from the truth because we won't be thinking of ourselves at all. Everything will be about him. And whenever he forgives people from their sins because of their faith in him, it will be for his glory. And whenever he punishes those who haven't um, professed their faith and, and don't believe in him, it will be for his glory. From beginning to end, it will be about him. And so look what happens. Whenever he shows up, he starts to divide. And verse 34 says this. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Did you notice what, they, what Jesus is called here? Whenever you talk about Jesus or God, you have a lot of names that you can pick from. You've got uh, Wonderful or Counselor or Good Shepherd or, or Hope or the Lamb or Prince of Peace. I mean, you could go on and on. There's all of these great, wonderful names to describe Jesus. When somebody asks me, who is Jesus to you? I always answer with, he's my savior because he is. I mean, I can still remember it like it was yesterday whenever I realized that I was a sinner, that Jesus punishes sin, but that he came to save me from my sins. And if I give my life to him, that uh, I don't have to endure that punishment. I remember it like it was yesterday when that happened and he became my savior. There's lots of, of our children living out at the orphanage who know Jesus as their savior. And it's always a great celebration when one of them makes a profession of faith. Um, we have a, a picture of Kalita, who's one of our, our girls out there. And in fact, whenever one of the Grace Point teams was at the orphanage, Kalita and her sister Axer showed up um, that day um, while they were there. So some of you may remember her, but, but Kalita is one of those who's given her life to Christ. And we, I just love this girl. We refer to her as our Turner burn girl. I mean, because she is serious about the gospel. And uh, we were showing one night a Jesus film where we set up a projector at nighttime and you show the gospel of Luke and it's in the Tonga language and people show up because there's a video that's happening and we preach and we give an invitation at the end of it. And at the end end, there were so many people coming forward um, to give their lives to Christ which is a little bit unusual although Zambia is very open people are also very afraid I mean, you take a, a white guy like me and set up a projector in the middle of Africa, and then at the end you ask people, come here if you want to ask Jesus into your heart. And people get scared. But on this night, there was a lot of people coming forward and were like, what is happening? This is amazing. And we found out later that Kalita was behind everybody in the crowd and she's going up to them and telling them, if you don't go forward and ask Jesus into your heart, you're going to die and go to hell. which is true, but we're, we're working with her like on, on presentation you know, so that she can share the gospel more effectively. But uh, several of our kids, they come to know Jesus as their Savior, which is a great thing, right? Or, or how about this? The Bible calls Jesus our friend. He's a friend of sinners. That's a great thing. But in this passage, he's not called a friend He's not called our Savior. He's not called the Prince of Peace. He's called the King. And whenever the King gives a command, it's not an option to follow it. It's it's not something you get to choose whether or not you want to listen to the King. And I think we have maybe a little bit of trouble here in America understanding this very well because we don't have a King. But like if you go back and you read 1 Samuel in the Bible, the the nation of Israel wanted a King. And God told them, okay, if you get a King, here's what it's going to be like. Whenever he wants your, your children, he wants your men, he will take them, your your, your boys, and he'll put some of them in his army or some of them he'll put to, to make swords for them and he tells them what they're going to do. Or for your women, some of them will be um, cooks and some of them will, will be maids and, and he will use them however he wants to. Or if you have a field that you really like and the king wants it, he will come and he will take it and he'll give it to somebody else. Because the king has complete and absolute control over his kingdom and over the people who are in his kingdom. And I think we, uh, we sometimes miss the point that Jesus is king. That if we're going to follow him, that people who are following him don't have the choice to make of where they're going to live. But the king decides that for them. Or what job you have. The king decides that for you. And I think sometimes we we do ourselves a disservice. And we do Jesus a disservice. Whenever we only refer to him as the soft fluffy names that only benefit us. He is those things to be sure. I don't want to take away from that. But he is so much more than just some genie in the sky. Who is going to bless us so that we're happy and comfortable. He's the king of the universe. And because of his kingship, what he says is what goes. What he says, we don't have the option of negotiating with him on that. And so here's what the king says. He says at the end, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it to me. Not. I, I want to I make a, just a quick theological point here to make sure because the Bible clearly teaches us that we, the only way we get to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ, that he came and he died on the cross for our sins and he did all of the work and we, just, we believe in him. That's the only way to get to heaven. It's not by going out and helping those who are in need. But what Jesus is saying here is that what we do for the least of these is a very good indicator of our relationship with him. In other words, if you take someone who understands what Jesus has done for them, if you understand that Jesus left heaven and all the comforts and came and suffered and died on the cross so that you might be forgiven, he's done all of those things for you. And then if you saw him in need somewhere, wouldn't you jump at the opportunity to go into to serve him? To help him, because Jesus gives us permission. He says, whenever you look at those who are in need, you, should, you can look and see my face on the face of those children. You can see my face on the face of those who are suffering, to the, on the face of those who are vulnerable, on the face of those who are outcast. And the way that we treat those people says a lot about our relationship with Jesus and how we view him. So what we do for the least of these is important. One of our our girls out at the orphanage is is named Christina. And when her parents died, she went to go live with her grandmother. And that's, I mean, it's typical. You've got to go somewhere. So normally you're shipped off to an extended family member. So she goes to live with her grandmother. And her grandmother, um, after some time, also passed away. And so she's moved again and she has to go live with her grandmother's sister, which would make her her great aunt. And it's a little bit confusing to to think about, but that great aunt was married to a man who had four wives and the great aunt was the third wife. And so this man, um, even though he's a head man and and somewhat well-to-do, he has his wives that he's taking care of and their children, and then he has his own grandchildren that he's caring for. And so when we went to the village to to see the situation, there's a lot of children running around, and he's caring for a lot of kids. Um, And then all of a sudden you throw Christina into the mix, who's not his direct relative. It's the great-niece of his third wife. And you could tell... In the way the children at the, at the village were being treated, that Christina was treated as more as like a burden rather than as a blessing, the way that children are supposed to be viewed. And we went and investigated the situation decided to take Christina with us because she needed a place where she would be cared for properly. And she had just one, one old dress um, and her great aunt came with her to New Day, looked around, said, "Oh, this is this is good." Took her into the house where um Christina was going to be living and so that she didn't have to sacrifice anything for this girl. She stripped her completely naked, took all of her clothes, and turned around, walked out the door, and has never been back. And we don't like tell stories just to be like super dramatic, but we do want you to know that the children who come to New Day are children who are the least of these. And whenever Grace Point gives um, to, to support what's going on out there, or prays for what's happening out there, or sends a team off into the wilderness of Africa, you guys are being a part, or you're a part of that ministry that is reaching the least of these. And what we do for those children reflects our relationship with Christ. But it doesn't have to be just something overseas because we can bring this a little bit closer to home there's not just people in need in zambia africa there's people in need right here in bentonville arkansas chances are you're going to see them as you leave today or this week as you go about your job or while you're in school you will see those who are in need and the way that we treat them says a lot about our relationship with christ Did you know even um, just within Arkansas alone, did you know there's more than 4,000 children who are in the foster care system? And whenever you view those kids like in in light of the coming judgment and one day whenever we stand before Christ and the way we treated them will be very, very important, what are we going to say to him? Like, maybe what excuse could we offer? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus, I would have helped you whenever you were in that difficult situation, but, but I was too busy. I mean, that doesn't seem like a very good excuse. Or, um, Jesus, I'm sorry, I would have helped you, but it was too much of a sacrifice. Or, I, I would have helped you, but there's, there's no way to end that sentence in an appropriate way especially in light of eternity. Say, I would have, I would have helped you, Jesus, but, but I missed you. I didn't see you. Don't miss Jesus. You know, whether you're talking about him here in Bentonville or, or across Arkansas or all the way around the world in Zambia, Africa, whatever you're talking about, don't miss where Jesus is and how you can serve him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word and God, how it challenges us. Lord, I pray that uh, we would have our eyes opened so that we can see very clearly where you're at and Lord, where we can see ways that we can serve you. God, I want to thank you for this church and how um, they are involved in missions all around the world and right here at home. And I pray that you would bless them for that. Lord, I pray again that you would help us to see more and more how we can serve you. And God, may you be pleased and honored with our life because it's about you and it's for you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.